0: We are wrapping up our series, Shaped for a Purpose. I'm so glad that you are here today because something happens when we discover our purpose in life, when we lean into those places that God created us to be involved in and invested in, we come alive. And so it's my joy, it's my privilege to be able to teach and to talk about God's Word to help us understand where is that place. Because what I think begins to happen is we get activated into the mission of God, There's something in us that says, ah, this is what I was made for, this is one of those ways that I'm contributing to the things that God is doing in this world, the mission that we are on together, and I want to have a place and a part in that, and I want every single one of us here in this room watching online to be able to say, I know what I was made for. And we discover that in different ways in different places, and sometimes it's not just a singular thing that we do, but it's different ways in which we're involved in the world, And so we've been talking about this this whole time over these last several weeks. What is my purpose? And how am I uniquely shaped for that purpose? And so I've been bringing out this toy. People keep thinking it's my little fidget toy for church service to kind of, you know, every week I've been bringing this. But I think it serves as such a great example for us from our earliest childhood days that we would remember. What is it that we were made for? There's a shape, a unique shape, and it only fits in, in a certain place. And when we discover our shape, and the purpose that God has for us, we're going to discover that, that purpose and that fit. We're going to say, this works, this fits for me. We've been looking at this key verse in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's what? Masterpiece. Masterpiece. I mean, he's been working us. He's creating us in such a way, right, that he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. This newness of life that comes when we discover our faith in Jesus. Our hope, and he begins to help us understand who we are. He makes, makes us renewed. He makes us new and he says so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And until we discover and engage those good things that he planned for us long ago, we're not going to come to life. And let me tell you, the answer isn't just in making more money and having more success. There's some pleasure in that. There's some joy in that. But there's more in this life that God has created you for, to invest in His kingdom, in His mission, in His purpose in reconciling the world to Himself. And so we've been looking at what makes our shape, what is it unique about us, and I keep grabbing the star because that's five points, and the, wor- and the word shape has five letters. And these are the things that we've been talking about over these last several weeks, and so um, we're going to wrap it up today, but remember the five points of our shape. And I'm so excited how many of you have already taken that shape assessment to discover some of these things and maybe get a picture back of, of more, learning more about yourself. And how important that is. So the five things that we have to our shape, right, is our spiritual gifts. We talked about the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. When we become followers of Christ, he he empowers us in certain ways. So that's the spiritual gifts. He gives us a heart. We're going to talk about that a little bit more, our passions. He gives us certain abilities, things that you do well. You're just good at some stuff. You're better at some things than other things. People come to you and say, hey, can you help with such and such? Your abilities are an indication of your shape. Last week we talked about personality. What color is your personality? Have you had some good conversations around that? If you're not sure what color your personality is, you can take the assessment um, online or talk about it some more. We have different unique ways in which we approach the things that we do. And then the E is our experiences. We're going to look at today our experiences and our heart, those two pieces. Now, as we look at these five keys to understanding our shape, I'm going to put this back over here. I want you to understand the way these five pieces can point us to our purpose. And so we look at these things, and, and the two pieces, your spiritual gifts and abilities, they point us more to the what. If you're thinking about what should you be engaged in this world, looking at your spiritual gifts and abilities are a great indicator. God's given me some special uh, talents and some special abilities, things that you do well. That's a great indicator. This is what you should be doing. But just knowing what we should be doing doesn't answer everything. Our personality tells us how we do it, right? You bring your unique personhood, who you are, the mannerisms you have, the the personality you have, you bring that to bear to the tasks and the things that you do. But even that doesn't give you the whole picture, and that's why we need to talk today about our heart and our experiences, because that begins to show us where, where am I supposed to leverage my talents and abilities and my personality? Who is it that I'm supposed to be engaging with? And so we're going to jump into those two things today because I want to leave, and we're going to leave a little extra time today for this ministry expo that we have set up over here. If you take a look over there, you guys have all seen it coming in, right? We have all these different teams and all these different ministries that that are working here at Meadow Park, and we want to help you find that fit. Now, we understand that that's just one aspect of your your shape and, and finding your purpose is through the ministry of the church. As well as finding it out in the community in the world. so we want to leave some time for that today. But let's jump right into this into the heart, because I think this is such an important part of understanding our shape. So we look at heart. Psalm 37, 4 says this: Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. It's a nice verse. It's a verse that reminds us that, that God wants us to be alive. That he wants the things that are in our heart, the things that we're passionate about, the things that we love, that we would receive those things. But many times I think we hear this verse and we think just in terms of what I'm receiving. God, uh, this would make me happy and that would make me happy. And we think about things or experiences or wants. But the desire of our heart is also where do we want to engage? What do we want to find fulfillment and purpose in? God wants to grant that to us. He wants to give that to us. And so when we talk about heart, what we're talking about is the source of our passion. It's the thing that moves us, the thing that, that stirs us. What is it that you love to do? What is it that's like a flame burning inside of you? Have you thought about that? What is it that you're passionate about? Sometimes we think in terms of hobbies, and hobbies can be a great thing that describes some passion. But what is it that that you care about? What are some things that really move inside of you? That's the idea of passion. It's not just what you do, it might be something you can't stop doing. You continue to come back to it. You just feel drawn to that, like it's that fire, it's that flame inside of you. Or maybe another image to think about is a compass. So we think about compass, compass points true north, right? It lets you know where north is all the time. It gives you an orientation. It gives you a direction. And so sometimes our passion can serve as this direction to how am I going to leverage my gifts and abilities and that's the direction we walk in. Now, over time, that passion may always be guiding you, guiding you in that one direction, but it may be played out and lived out in different ways. I think about a passion that I've had to, to lead a church to help people that don't know Jesus. That's been something that's been a part of my passion as long as I've been in ministry. And early on, it took the form of being a youth pastor and pouring into students in the next generation. And then it took the shape of being um, a church planter and starting in that way. Then I went to a younger, larger church and, and then leveraged it that way. Then I came here to an established church. But the passion is still the same. It's just sometimes lived out in different ways. And so we have to understand, what is that passion that you continue to drive towards? So I'm going to give you three questions to answer that can help point you in the direction of your heart and your passion and discover what that is. The first question is this. What makes you glad? Simple question. What makes you glad? What brings you joy? What puts a smile on your face? In the Bible, we see these things in in, in Jesus. There's a story where where, um, families and parents, they were bringing kids to Jesus. They wanted him to bless the kids. And the disciples being protective of Jesus and the time that he'd spent and tired as he was from different ministry, what did they do? They told the parents, the kids, shoo, go away, leave Jesus alone. He needs a space, he needs his time. But if you're familiar with the story, Jesus said, no, no, let the little children come to me. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And he, and he had compassion on them, and he blessed them, and he took them in. And we see just this joy and this gladness that he saw in the kids that drew him towards them. And that he poured in them. What makes you glad? Maybe like Jesus, you, you have this, this, this heart for children. You just, you see the next generation, you see the struggles or challenges, you see them developing in this next, you know, as they're growing up, and you say, I want to be a part of investing in them. I want to help them on the right path, and you're just drawn to them. That's an indication of what makes you glad. Maybe it's, maybe it's hosting a great party. You have the gift of hospitality, and you enjoy people having a good time and coming together, but it brings you joy, it brings you gladness. Maybe it's putting together an amazing video, you have talents in in different directions, You're, you're, Gladness can be in any number of directions, but it begins to be a sign towards something in your heart and what can move you in that way. I think about uh, when we moved to Arizona to start a church. We were new in the community. We didn't have any people, and it was like trying to start a church just from the ground up, and part of my challenge was how do I meet people, and how do I invite them to the church, and how do I build relationships when we don't know anybody and there's no church that you kind of come to, you're starting in that way? And I literally thought through like, well, what is it that I just love to do? I don't want it to always feel like, you know, feel like work or feel like I got to do this ministry chore. So I love soccer. And so I decided I'm going to start a soccer club. And so I just started a soccer club and I set a time in a Sunday afternoon at like, you know, for, from 2.30 to 4.30 on this field, got the word out in a local paper, started getting, you know, sharing it in different ways. And on our first week when we got together, we had four people show up. A lot of fun, two on two soccer, but you know, you can do it. It's okay. But eventually it grew to 10, 20, 30, 40 people that would start showing up and we'd play these games and pick up soccer. And it was a way that I got to know people in the community, got to tell them about what I do and about church. And some came, many didn't. But it was one of those things where just if it makes you glad, if it brings you joy, God wants to give you that desire. And maybe how can He use the things that you enjoy to be a part of His kingdom that shaped you for His purpose? What makes you glad? Now the second one here is a little different, but also an indicator, what makes you mad? (laughs) This is an indicator of of what can be passionate in you. What makes you glad, I mean mad? Think about Jesus, there's one story that probably many of us, if we know the story of the New Testament and the Gospel and Jesus' life, uh, there was an incident where Jesus wasn't too happy. (laughs) He came into Jerusalem and he came to the temple the place where God was to be worship and people gather. And what he saw in the courts was, was people who were making lots of money and, and, and actually selling, selling sacrifices and, and doves, and they were tra- changing money, and it was like it had completely lost its purpose and focus for what the temple was to be about. And so in a holy anger and rage, the Bible tells us he went over and he flipped the tables of the money changers, and he made a whip out of rope, and he drove the people out. How come they don't ever make pictures of that? (laughs) Paintings and little kids' stories on that. But it is a part of Jesus. What is it? Was he just, you know, flew off the handle? It was a holy anger. It was a righteous anger. He said, My house, my temple shall be called the house of prayer. And you've turned it into a den of thieves. And so there was this this, this anger in him. And I I ask you, what makes you go? A holy anger, something in you that you say this isn't right. You see some injustice something that's being neglected, someone being neglected. You see corruption, problems that don't need to be. For some of us who've been around a little bit longer, maybe you have a Popeye moment. That's all I can stand, and I can't stand no more. (laughs) You hit that point. I can't take it anymore. And then here's this phrase that whenever you hear yourself saying it, you should be alerting yourself to your heart and your passion when you say this. Somebody should do something about that. It's one of my favorite lines to hear as a pastor. <laughs> hmm, I wonder who should do something about that. Doesn't mean everything that we think somebody should do something about we have to do, but it's an indicator. It's a sign that says maybe I'm the one that should do something about it. Maybe, maybe this thing that just gets me upset, I've got to do something about that. Maybe you just notice there's kids that just don't, you know, it's back to school time and they don't have any backpacks, They, they, they don't get the supplies, and you're saying, somebody should do something about that. And maybe you're the one that organizes a drive and takes care of all the backpacks for all the kids in a school or in a district. It begins with a passion, and sometimes it's what makes us mad that is an indicator of that. The third question to think about is uncovering our heart and passion is what makes you sad? What makes you glad? What makes you mad? What makes you sad? What do you just grieve over? What do you see? And there's just something in you that kind of goes, Oh, this isn't right. We read in Luke chapter 19, beginning of verse 41, about Jesus. It says, As he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace, but now it is too late, and peace is hidden from your eyes. Jesus is approaching Jerusalem. He knows his mission, he knows his purpose. And while at one point in the temple there was mad, there was anger. And of course we see the gladness in Jesus as he shares the truth and the hope and he feeds people and does miracles. But we also see here just the grief, the sadness as he sees the hope and the possibility that's not being recognized among the people. But it drives him on his mission. What breaks your heart? What makes you sad? What makes you cry? Men admit that there's times where something moves you. you may not actually, the tear may not actually come out but you're sad about something. What is that? Is it starving children? Lack of access to clean water or education or healthy food? Is it some people who've been abused? As you look around, you see lonely people. What, what is it that that moves you? And so that's, the, that's really the heart question. What moves you? What makes you glad? What makes you mad? What makes you sad? What moves you? Because that heart is the motivation that ultimately moves us to action. We can know our shape and all these different things that we could be good at, we could be involved in the purpose, but until our heart gets engaged, we're not going to step out into those places that God has for us, those good things that he planned for us long ago. Matthew 9, 36, again, looking at Jesus, it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. It's the compassion That taps into our passion, right? It draws us out. It leads us and moves us towards other people. So we can think in terms of maybe some of the causes that are out there in this world. What are some of the things that you care about? Maybe you care about families, marriages, maybe it's your angle's financial management, the deaf or the blind, disaster relief, the environment, addiction recovery, sanctity of life, human trafficking, maybe a community or neighborhood issue, maybe it's homelessness, maybe it's immigration, maybe it's refugees. What is it that somebody should do something about, that you care about. Because what's interesting, have you ever noticed sometimes you care more about something than somebody else does? And you wonder, why, why, why doesn't somebody else seem to care as much about this as me? It might be an indication that this is something that you, God has placed in you to lean into and to pursue. What are these causes? But maybe it's, a, it's not just a cause, but it's like a, a people group. Remember, it's the who who is it that God may be, be calling for you? Maybe it's, as we, you know, maybe it's the kids, the next generation. Maybe it's babies. Maybe you're like a baby whisperer, right? We have some baby whisperers here at, at Park Kids, right? When, when you parents drop your kids off, they just love the kids. They hold them. They care for them. And, and maybe their heart and passion is for, for babies as much as it is for parents to hear the word of God and to be able to, to, to have this time here without being distracted. Think about the next generation, whatever age of kids, or we think about the teenagers and say, I want to, you know, while some people just avoid teenagers, I want to lean into that. I love teenagers. I want to spend time with them. It can be any number of different, different areas. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's senior citizens, widows, widowers. Maybe it's men's ministry, women's ministry. You're just drawn to, to, to those issues. Young married couples, college students. It can be a group of people, something, again, that just moves in you. And ultimately, you come to a point where maybe, you know, it would be awesome if all of us like Jesus could come to a place where we could clearly state our mission and our purpose, why we've come. Jesus says it in Matthew 9, 36, one of the places he says, uh, I'm sorry, Luke 19, 10. He said, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Think about that. Of the whole mission, Jesus boils it down so simply, so clearly. I've come to seek and to save those who are lost. And it moved him on his mission, and it moved him to say, I, I got to do something about this. You know, I, I, again, I think, I think for me in, in, in this passion to, to, to lead a church that understands and says we have a mission to reach people that don't know Jesus, it's not just a holy huddle for us, it's not just to kind of have this, this, this protective place from the world, although the church can provide that at times, it's for us to reach out to others. And when I was planting a church, I expressed it as church for people who don't like church. There's this idea that we exist for the people that aren't here. And to be clear on that mission and, and, and the mission that draws us all together. And when we think about the mission of, of Meadow Park, and as we, we, we prayed about that and talked about what that should be, we came to the verse in John ten ten, where Jesus in another way says what he came for. He said, I've come that they may have life and have life to the fullest. To have life more abundantly, right? And that's our mission is right that we're gonna do whatever it takes to help people experience life to the fullest in Christ. And so we have this direction, we have this purpose that that God has called us to. Now it's a matter of knowing how do how does my passion tie into that? How does my passion help fuel that and and my heart get engaged with that? So again, our heart is this motivation. What makes you glad? What makes you mad? what makes you sad might you be the one to do something about that now let's look at experience there's nothing quite so unique to an individual as your experience your life experience where life has brought you to this point nobody else has experienced exactly the same things that you have in your life so we think about our experiences everything about it: where you were born the people you were born with the 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 place that you live the parents that you have, the schools that you went to, even being born in this time, in this place, in this country, in the history of of humanity. There's something unique about this experience and about your experience. And If you want to understand your shape and where, again, we're talking about, God, where would you use me? Where would you leverage the shape of mine? Our experiences are a key part of that. So as you think through Think back through your life. What what about your family experiences were shaping for you that might be unique to what what you experienced and and, and that formed you? Think about your educational experiences. What schools did you go to? What did you experience in school? What were some of your favorite subjects? What were you really good at? What what didn't you excel at so much? If you've been involved in in ministry, you've done serving in different places, what has brought you to life? Where have you seen the impact of what you've done? Where are things you kind of go like, yeah, that didn't really, I didn't really feel like that was a good fit. Those are indicators to help you discover that place. Where have you experienced God spiritually where you've come to life? That's an indicator of, of that experience and where God might want to use you. But there's one area that I really want to focus in that I think we don't often think about, and that's painful experiences. Of all the experiences that we have in life, i to put it this way. It's often our most painful experiences that point us to our most impactful ministry. I want to let that linger here for a moment. It's often our most painful experiences that point us to our most impactful ministry. See, pain is something that we want to avoid. It's something we, you know, and when we're in it, we don't, nobody likes to go through it. But it's the very things that probably shaped us more than anything else. And with God, there's never a wasted experience, there's never a wasted moment, especially in those things in our life that we have come through to the other side, that we have persevered, that we have endured, that that God has shaped us. Those are indicators that often lead you to be the very person to engage that in the world, the place of your deepest pain. 2 Corinthians 1, 4 says, he comforts us in all of our troubles So that we can comfort others, right? So we receive the comfort, then comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. See, it's going through those difficult times that allows us to then help other people. I've shared with you before some of the painful experiences that I've had in ministry and in the previous church experience, and and having worked through a lot of that over the last several years. And it was just a couple of, uh, you know, a month or two ago that I was asked to speak to a couple hundred people about this very topic, about resilience and overcoming. And there was just recently a podcast that I was invited to, to share on, and it's one of those, it's like, I wouldn't have thought a few years ago that I would be, you know, prior to that experience, why would I be the one to speak on that? But it's because of the experience that I went through. And to be able to share with others, and as I shared with that, it was amazing how many other people after that session came up to me and just wanted to talk about what was going on in their life. Because they felt like, oh, that's somebody that understands the difficulty or the pain that, that, that was experienced. Where have you overcome? So, who is best to help somebody overcome an alcohol addiction? <laughs> a recovering alcoholic, right? Because there's, some, there's a connection there. Who connects best with a couple dealing with infertility? or helping a blended family start, or helping a widow or a widower, a cancer patient, somebody dealing with abuse, somebody dealing with pornography. Who is best to help except somebody who has gone through that, right? Because we feel like, ah, that person understands. And I remember when, again, when I went through the the, the loss of my ministry there, the people that really helped were others that came up, and when they said, you know what, I lost a job too, and here's what I experienced, here's what I went through, and it was like, Oh, yeah, wow. I never realized how many other people had gone through some of that, but it made a connection. The place of your greatest pain is, often points us to our most impactful ministry. Our daughter, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going to take a sip of water here. A little dry. <clears throat> our daughter, Kira, she's a, she's a junior at uh, Scioto High School. And she's had some some significant challenges educationally um, in her in her journey. Uh, she has dys- dyslexia, and so dyslexia can be very challenging, especially until you realize what it is and and how much of school do you spend time reading, right, <laughs> and having to, to process these things, and things just keep moving, and, and, you know, the wiring is different, and having to figure that out, and when that was discovered, um, you know, we're so thankful for a school district that, that made, you know, accommodations that, that began to help address, you know, the issue and, and help her in this way, and I'm just proud to say that she's an incredible student. She's over 4.0, and she works hard and, and does, you know, does really well. She's had to overcome a lot with that. But even as she receives some of these uh, different, you know, accommodations in her in her studies, there are times where, where there's things that the district maybe has done that haven't been as helpful, or that maybe they don't even realize, uh, you know, might be impacting students negatively, and so she had the courage uh, just a couple of weeks ago where she said, "I want to I want to contact um, a person who directs some of this um, some of this uh, this area." And so she, she sent a letter, and he said, yeah, you know, yeah, let's meet and talk. And so she talked with him and shared some of her experiences and some suggestions that she had that could help improve the situation. And then he asked her, he said, well, would you come and share to the 25 uh, faculty and staff the, that, that oversee the special education team? And so before school, just a couple of weeks ago, she went and got in front of 25 adults who are experts in this area doing this in our, in our school district, and she told them about her experiences and some of the things that you know, she would suggest. And it was just such an awesome opportunity. Who else could speak into that except a student that has gone through that, that's experienced that, that has overcome, and she sees other students who are struggling with that and had a chance to go talk to a middle schooler and say, here's some things that will help you as you get into high school that you can help overcome some of these different challenges. It just reminds us that that place of sometimes greatest pain, right, that we want to maybe avoid is the exact place God may be calling you to step in and help somebody else do and help them through. What have you persevered in? Where has God helped you? Lean into that and watch what God can do. Such a powerful verse that we began with in this whole series as we kind of begin to bring this all back together. You're God's masterpiece, and He has created you anew in Christ Jesus to do the good things He planned for you long ago. Are we about those things? Or are we about our own selfish pursuits and gains? Where is God calling you to engage? And again, just think about that shape, your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, your experiences. God uses all of those things. And ultimately, to get you into the sweet spot where you say, God, I know I'm being used by you, and I feel that joy, I feel that pleasure, I see the impact, I see the difference that I'm making in your kingdom, and you come alive in that. I want you to take a look at this uh, video of a couple people in our church that are on this path of discovering what God has for them and, and using their unique shape.
1: The number one thing that drives me uh, to be involved in church is to worship God. In the Bible, it says that that's the reason we live. The reason we live is to worship God. So for me, it has way more to do with that than playing the violin. My name is Peggy Jones and I've been attending Meadow Park for I'm going to guess probably 15 years or more. Playing on the worship team is a great honor. It's very humbling to be before God and to lead a congregation in worship. It is a real honor and a privilege to be on the worship team. I used to play in the symphony and I remember going to a youth conference, (laughs) excuse me, in Urbana, Ohio, and I was so on fire for God that I felt like he was asking me, am I more important than the violin to you? Because at that point, I had spent hours and hours for years in lessons, and at that point I was in college and uh, majoring in music performance very intense very into it and it all just fell away in light of god he he became the the number one passion in my life and so i told him absolutely i'm willing to step away from this if that's your will and fortunately uh, you know he has led me on a path of playing professionally and teaching And, uh, but the biggest passion for me is worship because it's just a tool to be able to worship God, worship with others, hopefully speak to others, uh, have the Holy Spirit speak to others through my playing. Because I'm not performing, I'm worshiping God through my instrument. And it is a delight. It's one of my favorite things in life. (laughs) You know, I see glorifying God in everything you do, you know, putting chairs away, serving food, working behind the scenes, and doing things that uh, people don't see.
2: You never know how God is going to use you uh, when you you serve. My name is Rick Knox, and uh, I first started coming to Meadow Park with my wife, Jen. It was probably, gosh, it's been in the 10-year range, I guess. I've kind of always done behind the scenes stuff, but I think, um, I guess more recently, um, God provided me an opportunity to have a lot more time on my hands, but I feel like God was kind of taking the excuses away. To be honest, and kind of, uh, you know, let the cat out of the bag, I've been feeling led to serve in youth for quite some time. um, And I finally stopped making excuses and met up with pastor Tim and and here I am now I'm hoping that in some way I can make an impact in um, the youth here at Meadow Park like I would an impact was made on me with the leaders when I was growing up uh, I, I feel like I, I just said this to somebody other the other day kind of goes back to the old adage of if you pray for patience God will provide you opportunities to be patient um, you know so I guess for me, I was feeling like there was something missing um, that I should be doing something, and I didn't. I wasn't sure what it was, so I spent time praying about it. I've always, I've always kind of felt that pull to serve in some way with with kids. I didn't really know what age group I would be interested in. You know, I always kind of felt, did kind of feel that pull towards youth, and I guess, um, you know, just experiencing God, just Him continually opening doors for me to do more and be more and serve more i consider myself a good listener Uh, i i really strive to listen without judgment and i think that that comes in that comes in very handy with youth you know they they sometimes they just want somebody to listen they don't really Necessarily want advice or want to know what you think. I think that could be said about anybody, really. But you know, kids sometimes they just want somebody to listen. Have an off-the-cuff conversation with them about you know something that we would all consider just you know a normal everyday conversation. But you never know how that how that might you listening to them talk about their day or something that happened in their life might might help them work through it or um, help the Lord. Get in there and start doing His work. If you're feeling like God's pulling you in a direction of service, um, don't ignore it. Be open. Try it out. I mean, even if you try something out and and you end up not liking it, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, this really just isn't the right place for me, but I'm interested in trying to find another place. Um, You know, that's okay.
1: If you are interested or or God's tugging on your heart uh, for you to follow your passions for him, to glorify him, to serve the church with your passions, the church needs you. Uh, The church doesn't function without us plugging in and investing our time and our talents and our efforts.
2: Just be open to, to serving.
0: so true. The church doesn't function without us, because all of us together are the body of Christ. And that's the picture, and that's the image that, that we read in the, in, the, in the scriptures. And this picture of the body, the head, the hands, the eyes, the feet, the toes, every part is necessary. All of us working together. And we read in 1 Corinthians at the end, It says in, in 1 Corinthians 12, it says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. I hope and I pray that God would continue to help you understand your place and your purpose and that you would feel the joy of serving him and being a part of the mission that God has called us on. We're gonna end here in just a moment. We're not gonna have closing worship. and I'm gonna pray and we're gonna dismiss and and we're gonna have this ministry expo where you see over here, we've got 16 different ministries, 16 different teams that we can be a part of. And I think as we've heard, just explore, see what is possible if you're already serving and you're happy where you're serving, that's wonderful. But maybe just talk to a couple other leaders. They're going to be staffed by leaders passionate about those areas that they're serving in, using their gifts. Hear about what makes them move. Maybe you just want to find out more. But I definitely encourage you, stop by two or three or four, what, what did Kyle say, five to seven? All right, somewhere in there, right? Somewhere between three and seven. You know, but go ahead and find out a little bit more. Just hear what, what, what they're passionate about the impact they're making, what it takes to serve in that area, and maybe you'll find a new place. Maybe you'll find an additional place to serve, but I pray that every one of us would find that space. As I think about where we're going as we're growing, and we're, we're seeing new life emerging all throughout our church, I think about the fall as we're going to be looking at, you know, two services soon, and whenever that happens, we need more people serving in our next-gen ministries especially in the Park Kids area and our hosts that that serve as we have multiple services. We think about different musicians that we can use. We have some new teams that we are building. A building and grounds team that just help with the beautification of our church. An events team, so many different things that we do that just create fun activities and engagement with our community. We have a new missions team that just is connecting with our partners and, and helping our church focus on mission. And so many other teams that you see out there. Take a moment And see where God may have you to be a part of this body. Because all of us together are the body of Christ. And he's called us to do these good works. Let's discover our shape and let's engage it and live with that purpose. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for these weeks that we've been able to dive into your word. And just discover this miraculous way in which you have formed and shaped us that you've given us a purpose, God, that that none of us are here just taking up space, God, but that, that there's something you have asked us to do to make a difference in the lives of another person and other people. And God, that together, the privilege of being the church, the body of Christ, serving and working together on this mission to help people know you and find full life in you. God, I thank you for each and every person that has invested in this church over its many years to make it the community that it is, that is making the impact on lives here and around the city and around this world, we are so grateful. And Father, help us to come become more and more alive in you as we leverage everything that you have given us to advance your kingdom. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.